0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, the Reds get out of Atlanta with a win. They don't get swept. They avoid that sweep. They just destroy the Braves there in game three. It was good to see the lineup just absolutely tee off. On the Braves, Kyle Muller and everyone else that they brought in out of the bullpen. Fun game to watch. Now we're putting that past us. Now we're going to be talking about the Phillies. We're looking at this three-game set today here on the Lockdown Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Garth. Thank you so much for joining me today. Before we get into all of that, though, I wanted to let you know that you can check out today wherever you get your podcasts the locked on mlb podcast it's hosted by paul francis sullivan please call him sully he's got a wealth of knowledge of baseball both past and present and he imparts that information to you each and every day check it out the locked on mlb podcast all right let's get to talking reds and Phils. but first let's run that intro Welcome into the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. We got a big series to talk about here because the Reds are in the middle of their NL East road trip against two of the hottest teams in baseball. They just got done with the Braves. Now they're playing the Phillies and who better to talk about the Phillies than the host of the Lockdown Phillies podcast himself, Dan Wilson. Dan, how you doing, man?
1: Jeff, I'm doing great. Very impressive uh, intro there, by the way. This is the first time Love I'm it. over with someone with Uh, the YouTube channel kind of in full force and with the full video effects. So uh, happy to be here crossing over with Locked on Reds. And you're correct. This is a uh, big series coming up this weekend in Philly.
0: It's interesting because both of our teams, and I want to kind of set the stage for this series here, because whenever both of our teams last met, they were kind of both just hanging on for dear life. Both teams were under 500 at the beginning of the series that was split up because of rain and then finally finished on June 28th. And then at the end of that, the Reds had just barely made it above 500 and the Phillies were a little bit below. But since then, the Phillies have been one of the hottest teams in baseball. The Reds have been one of the hottest teams in baseball. The Phillies have taken over first place. What has been the biggest key to the Phillies' turnaround. Has it been Joe Girardi?
1: Yeah, it's got to be the (laughs) offense for me. That's why I ripped Joe Girardi a lot last time. I'll I'll get to him in a second. But uh, it's got to be the offense for me. Uh, This team is clearly, at the beginning of the season, dating back to last year, was built around its offense. As bad as the bullpen was in the year 2020, and they missed the expanded playoffs by a game, the offense was the one thing you could generally rely on. They were among the leaders. In runs scored, top, tied for top five, and the offense was not coming through in the same way here this season. And what's really turned the corner since the beginning of July first, Bryce Harper's turned himself into an MVP candidate. They're getting more up and down the lineup. Reese Hoskins' power numbers have been, you know, very, very good. JT Realmuto has turned into, you know, a bit of a more consistent hitter. There have been things, Andrew McCutcheon, I called him uh washed back in April, and he is having a really, really strong season. They've missed some guys due to injuries here, but the offense has generally found ways to put more runs across. Can't forget about Gene Segura, how good he's been. So not leaving as many runners on base, getting this surge from Bryce Harper, kind of leading the way here. And the offense just connecting. Ronald Torres has come through in a number of really, really big spots for this team. So The offense finally clicking is what's done it for me. Obviously, they made a few trade deadline acquisitions that have also made an immediate impact, whether it's Kyle Gibson and adding him to the back end of that rotation. His first two starts were really, really strong. A little bit of a weird game the other night against the Dodgers where Joe Girardi, actually a good move, I'll give credit to Joe Girardi, knowing there was rain coming for the second day in a row in the Philly area. And he starts with the bullpen for the first two innings. Then there's about a 50-minute rain delay, and then he starts Gibson, in inning number three. Now, he only went, I think it was four and a third, which is a weird spot for a starting pitcher to throw off your entire routine like that entirely. At 6.30, he said he ultimately made that call. So that was a bit of a weird spot for him. I don't think it's why the Phillies lost the game. I think they had a bit of a reality check against the Dodgers here this week after winning eight in a row, uh, one against the Pirates, four down at Nats Park, and then three against the New York Mets. But you're right, this team has entirely surged, kind of just hanging around a while there it was not that long ago, right around trade deadline weekend, end of July. When they woke up on August 1st, they were four and a half out of the National League East. And now they find themselves right back, uh, you know, holding a, the lead here and are holding at least a share of the lead. So ever since they haven't relinquished that title back, this is a big series coming up against the Reds. Very different stakes from when they played them in Cincinnati back in June. You're right. They had that one rain out game. That ended up getting made up at the end of that month. But I can assure you the Phillies are no longer using guys like neftali Felice in uh, high-leverage spots. He will not be pitching to Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker in this series. Very happy about that. Uh, that's one thing that's also been underrated about this team is, you know, you go out and get Ian Kennedy at the trade deadline. And he's been shaky, to say the least, ever since getting acquired by the Phillies. Much, much worse. But if they can really kind of lock down that closers role, a guy like Hector Neris, who has been really, really bad in the ninth inning, this season has been stellar in middle relief roles and guys like Connor Brogdon stepping up and getting beginnings. And they've had to move Ranger Suarez to, you know, more of a starter's role as of late because of what their starting rotation looks like. And we'll get to that a little bit later on in the program. But that guy is really, really fun to watch pitch is really good in a relief role can also be used as like an extended opener kind of role. So there's a number of reasons, a number of things that have been clicking for this Phillies team. But if I had to pin it down to one thing, it's gotta be the offense, the offensive production they got in that one eight game stretch. And this is why people wanted them to buy at the trade deadline. This is why the Phillies season was never written off because if they were in any other division in baseball, they would be a written off team right now, but the national league East has not played up to par around baseball this year. So one stretch like they had last week is all they needed to kind of get right back in this chase in this tenant chase here now. And, there's really no good reason as to why they can't win the National League East.
0: Yeah, that's been the key for the Reds as well as just scoring runs in bunches. the The games that the bullpen does hang on, you just you almost count it as luck because the bullpen itself has been so almost like playing a game of roulette. Like you just spin the wheel and see what happens with any reliever you pull out of this bullpen, but they have gotten healthy. They brought Lucas Sims back. TJ Antone is hopefully coming back soon. We'll talk more about that later on, but uh, Sims is still getting up to speed. A couple of days ago, he gave up that walk-off three-run home run to Ozzy Albies and it it seems like the first couple of guys he faced he was on and then all of a sudden it was back off again so I I think it's just something where he just gets more innings under him he's going to be just fine and the Reds are getting their timing back with Castellanos and Moustakis as well it's nice to see them back but Moustakis isn't playing every day they keep trying to play a Eugenio Suarez every day who, yes, you will look at the stat sheet and see that he's got 22 home runs. And outside of that, it's really hard to tell me exactly why he's on the field every day. He's hitting a buck 70. He's getting on base like 25% of the time. And I think he's slugging like 340, 350, 22 home runs
1: 43, about 30 hits.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been ridiculous because everybody always, said, well, you can't sit a guy that's got 22 home runs. I'm like, well can you start a guy who's got an OPS plus of 59 like come on we're, we're, we're not even talking about Freddie Galvis at that point so I I, I think it's been interesting be to see by the way right <laughs> yeah. I did see that the Phillies got him back that was yeah. I thought that was kind of cool because there were some people advocating for the Reds to do that too but I I, I think that Kyle farmer in that regard has been a revelation uh, ever since July 1st he has been the opposite of Suarez and then he barely ever gets out. He has been fantastic at the plate, and defensively, he's been a pretty solid shortstop. I, I think that when we started the season, Reds fans were looking for a guy who was going to be a stopgap to Jose Barrero. Now he changed his last name. He was Garcia. Now he's Barrero in honor of his mother, and he, it was just the stopgap because everybody knows that he's the shortstop of the future, and it's going to start next year, so who's going to play this year? So that's why I don't think the Reds like went all in. There were a lot of people bashing them for not going and getting a shortstop. I understand why they didn't do it. Kyle Farmer's just been playing out of his shoes lately. I mean, they've been batting him first and third and things like that. And if you'd have told me that Kyle Farmer would be leading off or playing in a pivotal spot in this lineup, I'd be like, whoa, what happened to him? What steroids did he take? But he's not taking steroids, I promise. Uh, so in the starting pitching, for the most part, has been really solid. Uh, Castillo kind of blew up in Cleveland the other day. That was unfortunate to see and hopefully something he bounces back from on Saturday, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. But overall, it's been awesome to see because all year long, I said, this team was going to be in it for the long haul. It wasn't going to be something you can write them off in the middle of July. And they just went through a three game losing streak that a lot of fans tried to do that. And then they just absolutely bounce back in a big way and destroy the Braves in the final game of the series. Now they come into this series ready to play with the Phillies, and and I'm interested to see how this goes, which we will get into the probable starters here in just a minute. Before we do that, though, I wanted to give a word to our sponsor, built bar built bar i've been telling you guys about this for a while and i'm sure dan's been telling phillies fans about built bar for a while as well it's the best tasting protein bar on the market dan
1: oh i I, i've heard and i'll give a a quick shout out they paid uh the tuition was it in utah did you see this
0: that yes that was very cool
1: a little uh plug for built bar we've been telling the people about built bar for a while now and people are starting to recognize it
0: and they're a charity organization too, because that was an awesome deal that they did over in Utah. And and I love the uh, the options that you get when you go to BuiltBar.com. They've got nine great flavors. My favorite's cherry barcia. Wh- wh- which one do you lean toward?
1: I go cookies and cream, Jeff
0: that's a good one too i i love i mean it's all made with 100 percent real chocolate you're not gonna get that weird cardboard feel in your mouth it tastes like chocolate and the flavors that they talk about because they've got great fruit fruit flavors as well chocolate peanut butter caramel all of this great stuff and they're constantly rolling it in, in and out limited time flavors that are coming up and dan there's this really good promo code that they can use yeah, it's
1: uh, LOCKED15 for, I believe it's uh, 15% off your first order, if I uh, have that correct. And if I've read that ad enough times, yeah, uh, LOCKED15 <laughs> at checkout for uh, 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com.
0: Like Dan said, we've been telling you about him forever. You got to check him out at BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. All right, so we have our probable starters. For the most part, there's one that we got to talk about in a minute. We want to talk about tonight's game, though, as that is what is fresh on our minds. It's coming up here at 7:10, and we've got a pretty good pitching matchup as well. Tyler Malley coming off a really strong start against who I firmly believe, and I would like to get your take on this because obviously you watch him quite a bit, probably the favorite to win the NL Cy Young and Zach Wheeler. What has been his biggest thing? I mean, this year, he's just been phenomenal.
1: Yeah, he has been really, really good. Uh, Like, his pitches just look crisp. Like, his location is really good. His command of the strike zone is really, really good. He consistently keeps hitters off balance. When you, like, so he recently pitched. They honored Roy Halladay before the game. They retired his number uh, here in Philly. That was cool. Well, you know, Reds fans will remember him for uh, the no-hitter in the playoffs. Very, very, very fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that team, by the way, am I correct in saying that team won the Triple Crown as a team? That I think season? so. Like, think literally, so. Let, like, the Reds led the National League in batting average home runs and RBIs as a team. That, I
0: think that so. That's two, 2010, right? Yes. I'm pretty sure. that. Man, I don't know why I, I remember
1: guess. that or want to say it. but So, it looks very Roy... Halliday-esque, where the guy goes out there, fears nothing, just has very little – isn't phased by a whole lot. No, he's a little bit more – I don't know if personable is the word than Roy Halliday. Like, Roy Halliday was all business all the time. You will actually sometimes see Zach Wheeler smile during or after a game. You'd never get that out of Roy Halliday unless he threw a no-hitter in the playoffs or threw a perfect game. So – But he just looked really, really strong. Hitters are consistently off-balance, whether it's his fastball, working in his off-speed pitches. Um, His sequencing is really, really good. He has been a pleasure to watch. He's become appointment television here in Philly. And you're right in terms of the Cy Young candidacy. Like Jacob deGrom injured, can't really stay on the field. And so you're looking around that I'm actually, as we speak, pulling up the Cy Young odds. As we sit here on Friday, so this is Friday, August 13th, for the National League Cy Young, I mean, he's the only one. Or he's still plus money, plus 165, but Corbin Burns, Walker Bueller, Brandon Woodruff are all like double the odds that Zach Wheeler is. This is Zach Wheeler's mm-hmm. Cy Young candidacy to lose. And if the Phillies continue to stay right around first place and he pitches – I mean like seventy-five percent of as good as he's been. And I'm not trying to take anything away from those guys. He's probably going to be your National League Cy Young in the year 2021. Or he he still put stock and win-loss record, 10 and 6. I don't really they've actually blown a number of games that earlier in the season, especially that he pitched really, really well in. A two forty-two ERA, 181 strikeouts, just thirty-four walks on the season, a whip below one. He's got three complete games on the year. He goes usually deep into games. Like he had a start recently where I think he went six and a third, allowed two runs, and that was regarded as like a disappointing start for him because you expect this <laughs> guy to go seven, eight strong every single time. It was a, it was a guy coming into the season I liked, but I didn't love to this extent. He had the, his best career of the season uh, with the Phillies last year. Maybe because I'm so used to pitchers going elsewhere and figuring it out better that I thought, all right, that was a shortened season. He came from the Mets, and he'll probably regress back to a little bit of what he is, which is, say, like a number two starter, right? I thought Aaron Nola was still the ace of the staff. And Aaron Nola having a disappointing season, another guy you're going to see in this series. We'll get to him in just a little bit. But Zach Wheeler has stepped up to be an ace, and then some. Like I said, doesn't seem like it matters who he's facing. doesn't seem like he matters what the conditions are, how big the lights are, how you know what the spot is for him. He's going to not give the bullpen a night off every time he goes out there, but they know that they're likely not going to be called upon the seventh, eighth, sometimes even the ninth inning. And in the case of the last start he had, like basically not at all. So if when he goes out there, he is out, or he it wasn't a complete game. He went eight and two thirds, if I'm not mistaken. But he goes out there absolutely stellar every single time he steps on the mound. It's been a pleasure to watch Zach Wheeler is ultimately what I'm trying to say because there's not many yeah. there's not many words you can really use to describe him other than just flat-out dominant this season.
0: Sure. No, and, and I'm I'm looking forward to watching him, and I'm hoping that – I'm not expecting Tyler Malley to match him, but I'm hoping that he is very close, almost step inside, maybe like one step back or something from like – because his last start was fantastic. The one thing that we've been asking of him all season long – is to just go deeper into a ball game, pitch a little bit longer because he has great stuff. But it seems as though whenever he gets to a two strike count, he really tries to nibble for strike three. So he gets to a lot of three ball counts, a lot of full counts, and it gets him into trouble to the point where he can work out of it. But you see him with a lot of five, maybe five and two thirds kind of stat line nights because. He throws 100 pitches in five innings, but this time he kind of put it all together. He had a lot of strikeouts, limited base runners, kept the scoreboard pretty clean for the most part and pitched seven innings like phenomenally. So I was very impressed to see that. I hope that he can continue to do that here in his first start and looking at the second start, it's going to be a bit of a uh, bounce back redemption thing for Luis Castillo. Nothing worked for him in Cleveland on monday he was pitching uh beach balls up there and we're talking about an indians roster that so far as their lineup is concerned has been pretty terrible since the beginning of the all or since the uh beginning of the second break after the all-star break um the second half how about i talk uh (laughs) he he really just got shelled every which way And there were a couple of borderline strikes that you wanted him to get and the umpire wasn't giving it to him, but he was just having a bad night on top of that. How does he bounce back? Because since July 1st, going into that start, he had a 1.9 ERA. He was back to the La Piedra that we all know and love. And then he blew up and he went back to like what he was pitching in April. So how does he respond against, like you mentioned, this really strong Phillies lineup who Bryce Harper's figuring it out. If you throw a beach ball at him, it's going to get hit to, I don't know, some other side of Pennsylvania. If you throw a beach, yeah, it's going to go a really long way. So we don't want to see that happen. And uh, at least not reds fans don't um so what he brings to the table will be interesting i do notice that on the probable starters listed for game two it's tbd was this one of those trade deadline acquisitions that i missed
1: yeah so really quickly i want to just back to wheeler for a second because i did want to give uh the specific oh, yeah. while you're talking I, I got the specific numbers on him and something i actually earlier in the season is ever since coming over to the phillies in 2020 he mm-hmm. throws his fastball, or did with the Mets, really, really solid pitch, like right around the 40% mark. And he's also throwing in the mix more so this year, and it's been a really, really good pitch that has been kind of cool to hear him talk about. The slider about 10% more. So Thanks. the slider's up to 26.7% of the time. He only threw it 15.9% of the time last year. Throws the fastball 41.4. And I do stand correct that i remember misremembering a different game. Last game, he's coming off a complete game two-hit shutout against the Mets, nine innings, one walk, 11 strikeouts. A Roy Halladay-esque performance the day in which they honor him and retire his number. So Zach Wheeler has been really, really solid. Going to Saturday's game, though, yeah, this is a situation the Phillies have found themselves in here in the past couple of weeks. They went out and acquired Kyle Gibson. Many people, including myself, thought they should have gotten another starter partially for this very reason, which is the last time this spot in the rotation came up in Washington. Uh, actually, the double check because they got lucky and avoided it with an off day here more most recently. But Chase Anderson made the start. And coming into the season, they the back end of the rotation was Matt Moore, Chase Anderson. Neither of those really work. Matt Moore has looked good or looked better, I should say, in some of his relief appearances. But overall, has been really, really bad for this team. Chase Anderson, nothing special either. They did win the game. It gave them four and a third. Uh, back in that game on, I believe it was August the 4th. Uh, the Phillies won that game 9-5. to He gave them four innings, allowed three runs. That's about what Chase Anderson is, four or five innings, probably three runs. He's not going to totally ruin the game for you, but the bullpen can expect to be utilized uh, a ton, mm-hmm. which is a huge contrast to what you're going to see in Zach Wheeler. So you're right, the Phillies have not named a starter here. They also, at the back end of this rotation, because Zach Eflin is not currently pitching, the starters that you have right now for the Phillies are basically Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, Kyle Gibson, Ranger Suarez has been utilized in the mix. Well, one time was the closer has now just become like your extended opener. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I would prefer him as of right now. They're they're clearly trying to stretch him out or they're clearly thinking about stretching him out as a starter. Last time his pitch count uh, was about 60 pitches going into the game. Then they expanded it to 75. The dude is just, a flat out gamer pitches really, really well and nothing seems to face him. Doesn't seem like he's stuck on any particular routine or anything like that. So I don't think it's been bad from that perspective, but I would love, love unless he is eventually going to get stretched out into a starter who can give you six, seven really solid innings. I mean, it feels weird putting anyone in the same category as like a Josh hater, but seriously, when he's pitched in that relief role, like two, three innings that well, like that's what he's been his ERA has been right around one for the majority of the season, like flat out dominant to have that guy come out of your bullpen, especially saying like a playoff type of atmosphere, which is now re-entered the conversation here for the Phillies. I think that would be really, really huge. But so their current rotation has been Wheeler, Nola, Kyle Gibson, Ranger Suarez, and kind of like this fifth spot start chase Anderson slash bullpen thing that they have to do every so often when the spot in the rotation comes up. So, If you want to go on history, that's likely where they'll go. Maybe they'll go in more of a bullpen type of direction. I don't want to see Matt Moore starting any more games. He's been bad. Not that I love to see Chase Anderson starting games, but there's no really other good options necessarily to go to. If there was any big-time starter in the minor leagues, which has been an issue for the Phillies uh, for years now, you would have seen that guy up at this point. So this is kind of a situation where – Interesting spot for Joe Girardi. They have, you're right, they have not announced anyone as the starter for Saturday's game. But I, in all likelihood, that's probably the direction they ultimately tried to go in. And, again, most recently they went with Chase Anderson and then had to – I mean, Matt Moore came up – it's the game I was talking about. He Matt Moore ended up going four innings as long as Chase Anderson, pitching really, really well, allowed to run. So, if they can give that type of performance where they piggyback someone off of the first guy – That would be huge. A guy who they've lost to the injured list here um, initially due to COVID uh, was Bailey Falter. They could really use a guy like him back, another reliever who can go uh, a couple of innings here. So that's the type of reason why I would want Ranger Suarez ultimately in the bullpen, at least in the short term, it's why I would want a guy like Bailey Falter back, but expect to see very likely Chase Anderson here making the start for the Phillies on Saturday, kind of sandwiched between uh, Zach Wheeler, the Friday start and, Aaron Nola, who I know we're going to get to in a second here.
0: I remember we saw Bailey Falter whenever Spencer Howard pitched against Wade Miley. That was that third right. game that right. got exactly. like not all... not here
1: anymore, so you don't even have
0: uh, that option. He went to Texas. Yeah, yeah he's now yeah. he's now a Ranger. Um, yeah. But I remember seeing Bailey Falter, and that dude really shut the Reds down for multiple innings. It was uh, yeah,
1: no, it, interesting. It was really good. And yeah. not well known. Like, he came up in April and got like basically run off the field in Colorado. And then he came back up in June and basically ever since that first flip has been really, really good. And they've just not had him on the roster, which is unfortunate, but they need a guy like that back.
0: Sure. And that's what, I I mean, Jeff Hoffman's tried to be that for the Reds and really he's had some success as of recently. He, he's susceptible to the long ball. So, but he might be an option for the Reds. If one of these three guys kind of, has a rough start of it to talk about um Sunday's start this might be one it's interesting to see because Sonny Gray has had some short stints and I say short by like maybe five six seven outs during a game where you're like holy crap this is Sonny Gray's a game this is the best that we've seen of him this year and then immediately it's like a walk and a home run and you completely forgot what he just did for the last seven outs. And that's what happened in Atlanta. He pitched five innings. He gave up two earned runs and it was all on a home run to Adam Duvall. And they were five good innings as far as the entire body of work. But immediately after they go to the bullpen in the sixth inning, the bullpen blows it. So we just haven't seen Sonny really have that because coming into these past two years, we've looked at Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray as aces 1A and 1B. Sonny Gray just hasn't pitched to that ace 1B level for a little while. And a lot of it has to do with being on and off the injured list. And every time he's back on, he's got to ramp himself up and he's got to get into the groove and things like that. I think that this start is really where you expect him to start to find some kind of groove. And if he doesn't, then we're starting to ask him, different questions about him because he's had varying injury issues one of them had to do with his back the other had to do with something else it's, it's one of those things where you get a little bit worried about what the future looks like with Sonny Gray because he's still going to be here for a couple of years and looking at him against Aaron Noah he's looking for a measure of revenge he got taken yard a couple of times in that game that was the second game of the series that the Phillies just dominated i mean you could have been excused if you thought the score was actually the um uh, eagles and Bengals uh because it was 17 to 3 i think was or it was either 17 to 3 or 17 to 4 but it was it was a total blowout and then whoever came in a bullpen doesn't matter they got killed too but uh, i know that uh i wrote this down that Odubel herrera and ronald torres both went yard off of him and i'm guessing that we'll see both those guys on sunday
1: yeah, Ronald Torres should be, I think, the everyday shortstop for this team. Uh, he's provided really, really solid defense for uh, this team And has come up in a number of really, really big offensive spots. I don't think Didi Gregorius, though he's had a few bigger hits as of late, has done enough to utilize that everyday shortstop role. Certainly late in games, I want Torres in. And that's why I actually like the Freddie Galvis move. Because late in games, if this team is up, I would want Ronald Torres actually at third base and Freddy Galvez playing shortstop because that is a huge defensive improvement over Didi Gregorius at shortstop and Alec Boehm, who might be the worst defensive corner infield literally in all of baseball. Like He's just been that brutal. Um, so, yeah, it, that's Torres is definitely a guy you will see in this series. But it's ironic. I want to go back to what you were saying about Sonny Gray. It's kind of... I thought you were describing Aaron Nola there for a second. Of everyone wants him to be this ace, there is this debate of whether he's an ace, and he's been anything but that here this season. It's a shame because he was pitching really, really well on Tuesday night against the Dodgers, and the game gets there was actually a really good pitcher's duel going on between him and Max Scherzer. And the game, you know, it starts raining late fourth, early fifth inning, something like that, and he goes four innings. It was actually in the bottom of the fourth. So he goes four innings, allows just one hit, had seven strikeouts in the game, and then has to get pulled because there's a rain delay of like an hour forty five plus. And it was some of the best stuff we've seen from Aaron Nola all season against that Dodger lineup. And it's pretty good. (laughs) a little bit. So it and it stinks because he hasn't really been able to string multiple good outings in a row. Like before that in Washington kind of get swept under the rug, but it was a four o'clock game. Yeah, four o'clock game on Thursday, August 5th, and it was the final game of the series. Phillies going for the four-game sweep, and he didn't pitch all that well. He allowed five innings, five runs, three walks, seven strikeouts, but on five hits allowed a couple home runs in that game, if my memory serves me correctly. And the Phillies ended up coming back to win, so it didn't matter. So no one remembered the poor start of Aaron Nola, but he just has not looked the same here this season, and more so than anything else, the Phillies really need him to revert at least to you know half of what he used to be down the stretch of this season if they're going to contend for this and at least and you know I don't want to get ahead of myself and have any type of chance in a playoff series. So Aaron Nola's struggles have been noteworthy. The start before that in Pittsburgh, he pitched solid. I'd say six innings, two runs. Uh, the start before that, eight and two thirds, one one run was really, really good. But you go before that, allowing four runs, four runs, seven runs. So it's been just a roller coaster of inconsistency for Aaron Nola. He looked really, really good the other night. And unfortunately, rain wiped him out, which then led Joe Girardi to make that move with Kyle Gibson the following night when there was more rain in the forecast. But so a guy who is expected to be that one B ace to Zach Wheeler has not been Going up against a guy in Sonny Gray, who is supposed to be that one B ace, who you know, by the sounds of it, doesn't sound like he's been you know living up to the expectations in Cincinnati either. So uh, this is a bit of a prove it game, perhaps for both of them. Every game feels like a prove it game, at least uh, from Aaron Nola's perspective here, uh, and every game feels like a big spot at this point in the season. Obviously, it, it could be if the Phillies and Reds split these first two games, it could be a series deciding game. Aaron Nola hasn't necessarily always come up big in these types of, you know, series deciding games or in big spots, so to speak. But he likes pitching in the heat. He usually likes pitching more at Citizens Bank Park. He's coming off a solid start against the Dodgers, so let's hope, at least from a Phillies perspective, that doesn't mean he's, you know, due for regression here against the Reds on Sunday.
0: Definitely. It's going to be, I I think it's going, and and actually, you know, I don't want to get too much into that because that's coming up next segment. My thoughts on this before we get into that, though, I wanted to let you know that you can still go to betonline.ag and set up your promo code with the, or set up your profile with the promo code locked on. I'll get this in the right order eventually, Dan. Uh, when, when we're talking about bet online, it's the only sportsbook that I trust. They've got great lines. When you're talking about Major League Baseball, they've got you know game lines, uh, money lines, over under lines. I usually try to give you a tip each and every uh, read that I have. Although I have promised you going over two early on this week that I would stop, you know, torturing your bank account. So, well, you right can just.
1: Do a tip and- people could go against it theoretically
0: exactly yeah maybe maybe i give you a tip and you fade me because that's the way it's been here recently but i will tell you you can check out locked on bets to help you make a few more bucks there but when you go to betonline.ag make sure you get your profile set up with that promo code locked on you'll get 50 percent added onto your initial deposit that's like 50 bucks on top of 100 dan that's that's amazing just for typing in a promo code
1: yeah, you, you can't you can't beat that action. You you just absolutely cannot beat the action of the initial fifty dollars you get at betonline.ag. And I believe this is the time to get in as teams prep for the runs to the postseason.
0: Exactly. You get yeah. the postseason stuff, you get NFL futures if you want to jump in on that. Lots of great stuff going on over at BetOnline.ag. Set up your profile with the promo code locked on today. And real quick as well. Before we get into talking about injuries and predictions and things like that, I wanted to talk to you about the Wild Alaskan Seafood Company. I've gotten a chance, Dan, to get my hands on some of this fish. It is amazing. I'm talking about halibut. I'm talking about cod. Talking about the cod made some amazing fish tacos. We made like a little bit of cilantro, slaw, and stuff like that. On, ooh, so good. Really good aioli that we put on there. I love the word aioli and fish i mean and aioli just go together so get yourself some wild alaskan fish because you can go there today wild alaskan company.com slash mlb you'll save 15 dollars off your first box that i'm talking about wild caught fish that they freeze because I don't know about you, Dan. I know Philly's a little bit close to the water, but to get fresh seafood in the city of Cincinnati, I'm calling uh, BS on that because there's no sea anywhere near here.
1: Well, yeah, you're not going to – I guess people don't fish uh, stuff out of the Great Lakes. Is that not a thing?
0: Well, they might. Actually, I think they do. Nobody fishes out of the Ohio River. That would be bad. You'll probably get like a two headed fish or something like that. So you don't want to do that. You want to go to com because when they catch it, they flash freeze it, vacuum seal it, and send it directly to you. So it's pretty much fresh whenever you thaw it out and cook it. And it's so easy to cook. I mean, it's just delicious seafood. Check them out today. Plus, they're always bringing in different options and stuff to go with their whitefish and their salmon. They have so many salmon. They got smoked salmon, sockeye salmon. They got, um, there's this one other one that was just Soho. That's what it was called. Soho, Coho, Coho salmon, whatever. Anyway, I know fish is good. Wild Alaskan Company's got good fish. Go to wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB to save $15 off your next box. All right, we have come to the third and final segment here talking about our series, the Reds and the Phillies getting kicked off tonight. Firstly, before I want to go to injuries and predictions and all this other stuff, you mentioned Ronald Torres and how he should start at shortstop. Who do you look at as the X factor in the series? Is it Torres or is it somebody else?
1: Yeah, Torres has been really – I always say that wrong. And, 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 <laughs> right. so he, he's not a household name. I mean, he used to play with the Yankees, with the Phillies now, but he was a non-roster invitee for this team. Like That's where we started the season. And I remember early in the year, he had – some of the worst at bats i had ever seen. He went on the injured <laughs> list, comes back. And now like the running joke in Philadelphia is where would the Phillies even be without Ronald Torres? And the answer is probably not in the first place. Like he has come through with big hit after big hit, after big hit, uh, time and time again, he know he's a really smart player. He flashes the glove every single day for a team that has not been so great on defense all season long. So Yeah, you could say he is certainly an X-factor. Interested to see JT Romuto took a couple of foul balls off the mask the other day, and he did not play in yesterday's ball game. Seemed like a precautionary day off, but he cleared concussion protocol. So I'll be interested to see how he returns from that. That's certainly an X-factor, but maybe this is at the expense of sounding obvious here. I mean, Bryce, this team – in, in a sense, will go as far as Bryce Harper will take them. Now, recently, he hasn't been getting on base a ton. He's kind of had like an Eugenio Suarez week, as you were describing. But the guy rips the ball out of the ballpark, had another home run yesterday as he continues for that MVP chase. Um, it's very exciting, in addition to making a run at the playoffs for the first time in 10 years. By the way, the Phil- I mentioned this last time. The last time the Phillies won a playoff series, was that Red series in 2010. The last time they appeared in one was 2011. So it's been a while, right? That wasn't meant as a shot. The Phillies have been a bad organization for a while here. And to have someone in the MVP conversation, leading the way in the Cy Young conversation, and be pushing for the playoffs, you need your stars to be at your best. And this is a team that has been 500 much of the year. They are now just emerging in first place in the National League East, I believe, as we enter today's game a half game above the Mets, a full game above the Braves. I guess I can thank the Reds for, uh, you know, at least, you know, winning some against the Braves there and keeping them a game out. But in terms of what the Phillies need in this series, yeah, they're going to need another big series from Harper, going to need a big start from Zach Wheeler, especially with the uncertainty of Saturday's pitching situation and the fact that Aaron Nola, unfortunately, history tells us, has not been been able to go that deep into games following a really, really good outing. He didn't pitch as many pitches as he ordinarily would have, but the bullpen is going to need to rest here tonight in preparation of what they're going to have on Saturday and Sunday. So X-Factor need a really solid start. No reason to believe he won't out of Zach Wheeler tonight. You get a big weekend from Bryce Harper. Need Ronald Torres to continue to being the <laughs> one of my favorite guys on this Phillies team. Would like to see JT Romito uh, come back and be – you know, he hasn't – we oftentimes call him the best catcher in baseball uh, here in Philly. He hasn't been the best catcher in baseball this year, I would say. You know, a guy like Buster Posey would probably have something to say about that. But he was an all-star, a uh, little bit of a all-star that kind of made it on the fringe. Homeward in the all-star game and has been hitting the ball better than he necessarily had been earlier in the year. So could utilize him and, yeah, but the X Factor as a whole – It's probably the offense, because they're going to need to score some runs, especially with not, you know, with some inconsistent uh, pitching, to say the least. It's probably going to be on the mound on Saturday and Sunday.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to this series for a lot of reasons. There's a couple of guys that I look at. I mean, Joey Votto has been the dude, the man in charge of everything. He has firmly at least, put his daddy, by the way. Yeah, I love me love me some Joey Votto. Like I'm, I'm so glad that he had the renaissance that he's had this season. And and we're talking about, man, he might play for a while. Uh, now we, you know, coming into this year, we were worried about how many years they had left with Joey Votto. Now it's like, did he just get a second wind here? Like this yeah. is phenomenal, but he even showed in that second game that the Reds only go so far as their bullpen goes, and the extractor for the Reds in this series is the bullpen because he hit two two home two, two two run home runs in game two against the Braves, and they still lost because the bullpen just couldn't hold it. So, what do the Reds get out of their key guys? Their key guys are the two Michaels, Michael Lorenzen and Michael Givens coming over from the Rockies. And then you've got Lucas Sims, maybe TJ Antone comes back, which is a little bit of an injury spoiler because he's close. He's doing a rehab stint in Louisville and he looks okay doing it, but he might, they might wait till next week to bring him back. But he has been, he was far and away their best reliever of the season. And it's been a patchwork ever since he's gone down. And the guy who I said was the best Reds reliever for the first half of the season, Heath Hembree, now I don't want to see him in high leverage situations because he's gotten to the point where it seems to be in his head, and as soon as he steps on that mound, he's worried about failing. So he's trying to pitch around guys. Doesn't matter who it is, Amir Garrett. I don't want to see him anymore. He 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 has no uh, mental stability. Whenever he's coming into a big high leverage situation, he came into the game yesterday whenever the Braves were down by ten, and he bounced a pitch in front of home plate. Like, dude. Yeah, by 10, there's strikes. This isn't hard. Like, I, I don't understand when guys do that. So, how do they patch it all together and get a bullpen to help them win a series? That really is going to be the X factor for me going forward for the rest of the year. I don't even care when they're playing the Pirates, the bullpen's going to be in the game and they are facing professional hitters. So, how do they sustain? a lead or if it's a close game tie game maybe they're down by one how do they not make it worse because we saw that happen and as much as i i understand that all three games in great american ballpark were blowouts for whatever team whether it was for the reds or for the phillies still think these two teams are very close together very evenly matched so it's it's tough for me to predict i i think i'm with you i think that wheeler Wins game one. I think that Castillo wins game two. And then, man, you about want to flip a coin for that third one.
1: (laughs) I'll I'll show some confidence in the Phillies. I've been negative on them just about all year. The calendar flipped to August. Something changed with this team. They began the month with an eight-game winning streak. And I'm not overly concerned. I saw a few people just you know very reactionary jumping. Not jumping ship, but just very reactionary is the way to say it. Through this Dodgers Watering. series. Like, you lost to the Dodgers, you got outclassed. No one in their right mind should believe that the Phillies are anywhere close to that level. They're good for the NL East, which in a sense isn't saying much, but it's good enough for a postseason spot, whoever wins it. I think the Phillies get two out of three this weekend. I like them their chances behind Wheeler tonight. I agree with you, they probably the Reds probably take the Saturday game. And then Sunday, I'm not expecting a stellar performance from Nola, but I don't think he totally regresses either. This is pure feel alone. This feels like five and two-thirds, six, six and a third, something like that. Three runs. Offense maybe has a surge late, and they win, what's probably a close game. And the Phillies find a way to get two of three heading into a West Coast road trip next week. And they remain in first place throughout the weekend. That's my official bold prediction, if you will.
0: Oh, let me see. Because uh, we we were talking about the Reds hopefully having a winning road trip. I don't think that's going to happen. The only way that happens is if they sweep the Phillies, and I don't think that'll happen.
1: This is their I third f- series in a row on the road. Uh,
0: well, so they've had uh seven games. It's really weird because they had a makeup game with the Indians on Monday, um, right. but it was just a one game. Yeah. Like, and then they had the
1: the for, for three, and then yeah. Now the Phillies for three,
0: gotcha. No. Then the Phillies, and then they're back home. They face the Marlins. They got this weird NL East thing going on. I, I don't know, but uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I kind of I'm I'm okay with that. Um, looking looking for I don't know. Like I hate to be contrarian here, but I think the Reds will take two out of three. I got a feeling that Sonny no, Gray really, is gonna to be find contrarian. that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is what this is what the Locked On Podcast Network is all about. Yeah, two exactly. teams playing an important August series. Two podcast hosts, both believing in the respective teams that they podcast about. And it, the series should go either way. That means it's a good series. It, nothing so. fun if I was just like, oh, well, the Phillies aren't going to win this weekend. Or you're like, no, nah, I don't believe in the Reds. You know how many times I've done that? No, this, this is a good thing.
0: Exactly. I, I think it's going to be a fun series to watch. And I can't wait for tonight. Seeing this potential Cy Young candidate here in Zach Wheeler, the dude who's the favorite. Which plus 165. I might be... I don't know i might be tempted to throw at a our friend at
1: online.ag
0: go check him out today That's with the promo it. code locked on but hey this has been a lot of fun dan it's always fun getting to talk with you reds oh, and Phils coming up tonight thank you so much for joining me how can reds fans follow you during this series
1: yeah of course at dan underscore wilson four uh for a very often sarcastic viewpoint on the Phillies, try and add in some humor. It's often bad, but, you know, give it a follow <laughs> anyway. Uh, but uh, Locked on Phillies, you can follow that on Twitter, at LO underscore Phillies. That's for everything uh, with the podcast page. My personal Twitter is Phillies and all things uh, Philadelphia sports. And, yeah, make sure you're subscribed on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. All the same ways you can listen to Locked on Reds, you can find Locked on Phillies for you know just your number one spot for uh Phillies talk every single each and every day.
0: It's really great saying wherever you can get your podcast, right? Yeah, that's, well, that's a good just, you know,
1: you it. know where to wherever. find podcasts by now.
0: Search and on podcasts, there. they got us. Yeah, if they got podcasts, they got yes. us. That's what they got. Yeah, so yeah, likewise, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and you can follow the show at locked on Reds. I am pretty much all Reds all day. Um every so often it'll be something Star Wars and then food. And Are you beer. a
1: football guy at all? Or like any other sports? I do.
0: I do. Okay. I am a tragic Bengals fan. I will never stop being a Bengals fan, which there you go. I need another podcast to explain that, uh, but, but definitely, uh, yeah, check us out of this series and, and, you know, interact. I love interacting with people on Twitter for, for the most part. Don't, don't be, you know, mean or nothing, but yeah, whatever. Anyway, thank you guys so much for watching, for listening. Uh, make sure you're subscribed, make sure you follow all of that good stuff. But as for Dan Wilson, I'm Jeff Carr. Thank you so much for listening to the lockdown Reds and Phillies crossover. We'll talk to all of you on Monday.